This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select... Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires down the sideline. Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Brought down, Khalil Mack. Welcome back to the Chicago Shuffle Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Lee, here today with Luis Medina from Bleacher Nation Bears. And we are going to do a lot of different stuff today. Uh, we're going to talk about, of course, the Eagles as we preview this this weekend's incredibly important tilt at Soldier Field. But beyond that, a little bit of discussion about the Bears quarterback position. What a big surprise. And some scenarios for what they might be able to do with or without Trubisky going into next season. But first and foremost, let me introduce you. Luis, thanks for joining us. How are you today? Thanks for having me, Zach. Uh, I am doing well. I'd be doing better if the Bears were, you know, four and three and not three and four. But we are where we are for a reason. Uh, four and three or five and two. I'd take five and two. Um, yeah. I, I'm kind of shocked. I mean, I, I've obviously processed where, where the Bears are and a lot has gone wrong. So much of it was really unforeseen for me. I think first and foremost, the offensive line and how much of they struggled. And just how much that's put Nagy on tilt in terms of how to call a game and what to do. Trubisky, I'm disappointed, but I, I can't say I'm surprised. These signs have been there on and off for a couple of years. And, you know, hopes have kind of transitioned into prayers a little bit in terms of what he is and what he might be going forward. But, yeah, to be sitting here three and four with the season on the brink uh, with what's a really good Eagles team coming to town, um, not the most hopeful feelings going into Sunday. No, and like you said, it starts at the line of scrimmage, uh, and both sides, really. Um, it starts with the, on the offensive side, where they've struggled, really, from the outset. And then, you know, Kyle Long, he's injured. The the guard center swap with Whitehair and Daniels hasn't worked uh, the way that many thought it would. Um, Charles Leno Jr. has taken a step back, and even Bobby Massey hasn't been, you know, setting the edge and, and clearing space for guys. And then on the other side of the line, the Bears are, are, you know, they really miss, he really miss Akeem Hicks, whether it's as a run stopper. We've seen some guys, Josh Jacobs, um, Latavius Murray, run all over the Bears. And as a pass rusher, the Bears have like two sacks in the last, you know, few weeks. It's It's been really frustrating to watch. Um, yeah, games are won at, at the line of scrimmage. And look, Nagy can have all these, you know, nice scheme plays and, and fancy names for them. It doesn't matter if you guys can't block. Absolutely right. And these things are all interrelated, how a game is called, how the line play goes, how the quarterback allows things to open up. They're all very much interrelated. And so there's a little bit of a chicken and the egg thing in terms of 
which element is the the starting point for whatever troubles you may have. But I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. The first thing I want to talk about today is um, we're just coming off of the Wednesday uh, Nagy press conference. And just curious what you gleaned from that by watching through it and what you saw and what uh, how it might affect what happens on Sunday. It was kind of a frustrating watch and listen because Nagy came off as really defensive and understandably so. He's He's really stubborn in his ways and, and really not wanting to talk about what happened Sunday. He's a guy who's often said, you know, I've got 24 hours to talk about things before I move on. And today there was there was a lot of, uh, there was a desire to try and iron out what happened in that last second, in those last seconds, uh, you know, when the field goal wasn't set up on the preferred hash line and, you know, the defense to kick it in, you know, right away and not, try to get a few more yards to make for an even easier kick. The kick should have been made, but I, I can understand the perspective of, hey, keep it going until you have to make the field goal. Um, you could tell Nagy was was kind of annoyed and frustrated, and he should be. His Bears are 3-4, and four, and he hasn't done anything, much of anything in recent weeks to you know get them, to push them over the edge and into the win column. And like, just for you personally, what's your confidence level in Nagy as as the Bears head coach? And is he the guy? Has that been shaken at all, given what's happened the last couple of weeks? I mean, I'm not going to lie because I'm a bad liar, but <laughs> I, I'm I'm a little shaken. It's it's been it's been really weird to kind of wrap my mind around what he's doing and try to spin it as okay. Well, this makes sense. The whole passing fifty plus times with Mitch Trubisky when he's just coming off a shoulder you know injury. Uh, against the Saints, that just blew my mind. No um, th- that just felt wrong on so many levels. And I was at that game and just watching him, just like, uh, are, are we going to try and do something else? And, you know. And then you've got a fumble from David Montgomery, and I joked with the guys I was with. I'm like, well, he's not going to run the ball again. And then he, he didn't. didn't. Yeah, it's crazy. And then given you know this next game, they're running the ball effectively out of the eye formation, especially at, you know coming out of halftime, they drive it right down the field. It works great, and then we don't see it again. It's really hard to understand. Is this a guy who just thinks he's the smartest guy in the room? And, okay, that was a drive that worked well, but let's get back to my special sauce because I know it's going to work. It feels like it, and it feels like, and I wrote about it this morning, it felt like it was kind of a troll job to go out of the eye formation. Like, all right, you people want me to go back to the good olden days of football? Fine. I'm going to line up and run in eye formation and run it down these guys' throats. And he just was taken off guard by how at how it worked. And he really didn't have a counter to that. And that was kind of a tell to me. Like, this was, this was a troll move because he only had one play-action pass out of that, out of that eye that I remember. And I'm just like, man, if, if, if Nagy was the coach that I think he is, the coach that he was last year, he would have set this up and had a bunch of different play action and and action out of it. It would have been some bootleg action. It would have been some sprint action. You could have had uh, Trey Burton line up as a fullback catching passes out of the flat and running into open space. You could have had guys going down the seam. There, there were so many missed opportunities. I hope Matt Nagy watches that tape and sees where he could have really built on that because, let's face it, Mitch isn't the quarterback that – he wants him to be, or he, or he he himself wants to be. So you have to, you know, build from. Hey, David Montgomery is running the ball well. Let's use our run game to create play action and create windows that even Mitch can't miss. 
I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. And I, I, I do want to come from a place of a little bit of empathy, though, just in terms of like what it must be like to be a, a head coach and a play caller where, look, you, you create your identity. And like, this is how I like to play football. This is how I want to coach them. These are the kinds of plays I want to run. This is the structure of the offense. And at a certain point when that's not working and you have to kind of like scrap it and start to try other things like it. On the one hand, you're like, all right, it's not working right now, but if we stick with it, we execute it right, it's going to work versus this shit's never going to happen. Scrap it. Let's do something that we've never done before. Let's go against all my offensive philosophies. I think that would be a really hard decision because, you know, when you lose your confidence, you're faced with that decision of like, nope, I know this is right. I have my conviction. I'm going to double down on it. We are going to figure it out. Or, man, that's it. We got we got to start from scratch. This just isn't working anymore. Yeah, I get it. Um it's just one of those weird, you know, things where as a head coach, you want to implement your style. You want to, you know, assert yourself as this guy with this identity. But in the end, like your goal should be to win games, not create an identity. And I get it. You, I mean, that's what the good coaches do. They do both. Um, it's the chicken or the egg thing. Do you assert your identity and then you win? Or do you win because you're asserting your yourself? Um, and I think that's, that's, the happy medium Nagy needs to find. He needs to find a place where he's comfortable, maybe being a little bit uncomfortable to win some games. I don't want to defend John Fox because, man, that guy rubbed me the right. wrong way. I was just about to bring that so up. So many ways. But go ahead, bring it up. No, I was just saying that, like, you know, we're sitting there asking now for the eye formation and play action based on it. And, you know, we sat there in the John Fox era and just watched a uh, an ancient offensive philosophy and how much it limited the skill position players, the development of the quarterback, all that kind of stuff. And then Nagy comes in, and year one is all this cool stuff, all these great gadget plays, and things that are working. You know, there's always a special play on the goal line that gets a guy involved. I mean, it's just Christmas morning every single time they're in the red zone. And so, you know, I was reading an article today on The Athletic, Dan Durkin, who does some really good X's and O's breakdowns about the Bears' nine plays uh, – you know, with goal to go and just breaking down what the Bears were trying to do schematically and then the failed execution on a number of le levels. I think James Daniels is the guy that got highlighted the most for not being able to get blocks in the second level. But also, Nagy is just trying things that haven't worked all year. And, and then again, these things are all interrelated. It's either Nagy schematically uh, has, is doing something that doesn't really make a lot of sense given what succeeded to that point in the game, or they, they have a great read and a great play, and, and Trubisky doesn't see it, just totally doesn't see it. I think it was three different plays where he had a wide open, not even a player in, in the route, just pre-snap, just four guys on two, and totally missed it and went away from it. Really, really frustrating things, and that's what's been so hard about this, which is it's a moving target in terms of what's wrong. On one play, it's Trubisky. On the next one, it's Nagy. On the next one, it's run blocking. So as a viewer and uh, you know, a, a, an analyst of how the Bears are playing, all these things are wrong, but never the same thing on a given play, and so your, your ire just kind of travels. Right, and it gives us a lot to write about because there's just so much that's gone wrong and the, so much that could change. But, like, man, I just – those goal line plays that were there last year don't seem to be there this year. I mean, they were a top 12 team last year in scoring touchdowns in the red zone, and they were uh, a top 10 team coming into last week's game this year. And, like, at no point did I think, I'm like, man, this is a top 10 red zone offense. And it's just because so many moving parts are 
are falling apart as as it goes on. Um, but I think my hope for the goal line offense and the red zone offense is this. If there's one thing that I learned from the John Fox era is this quote that he had, and it was, there's, no, there's not just one way to skin a cat. And I hope that Matt Nagy realizes with his use of the I formation that, hey, there are multiple ways that I can really attack this game. And if I catch someone off balance, I should really attack them until they figure me out. Yeah, if it's working, use it. And I, I think that's one of the Bears' biggest problems this year, and we've talked about them in generalities, but their lack of a short yardage identity is killing the team. It shows up in goal line situations. It shows up in the play calling that's happening all over the field. But their inability to just like, hey, this is going to get us four yards, and they had that last year, whether it was jet sweeps to Cohen, whether it was Jordan Howard you know, smashing ahead. They knew they could get positive yardage if they had to, and it opened up all kinds of possibilities in uh, in the red zone situations, so yeah, among the many glaring issues with this team, that one stands really above above all for me. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years, and the secret to a great shave, it hasn't changed much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters. Sharp, durable blades at a fair price. I love Harry's because it gives me a close shave, easy glide, and a low price. Do us a favor and check out harrys.com slash bluewire for your free trial today. Harry's is a return to the essential. Quality, durable blades at a fair price. Just $2 a blade. Harry's is just super convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription. And there's no risk to you for trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Listeners of the Chicago Shuffle podcast can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash blue wire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com slash blue wire to start shaving better today. You and I spoke offline a little bit about you know, not just what the Bears are up to this year, but really an exercise of what they might do going into this offseason and taking into account, you know, the Bears are up against the cap and they don't have a ton of draft capital. So what we're going to do is talk about the top three each uh, QB acquisition scenarios for the Bears going into this offseason. And that can include, hey, do nothing, get another backup, stick with Trubisky, give him another shot. But um, so let's do these in in uh, ascending order. Let's start with your third most favored move for the Bears to take going into next season. Okay, so they can't just stick with what they've got. They there needs to be. I think the writing is on the wall. I think Lewis Riddick said it on Monday Night Football. The writing is on the wall with Mitch Trubisky. Matt Nagy needs to find someone else. So let's start with. Uh, this option that I'm throwing out here, find a free agent who fits your scheme, whether it's short-term or long-term, whether it's someone like Marcus Mariota, someone who can be a high-floor, low-cost, change-of-scenery guy, someone like, you know, not unlike Alex Smith, who once upon a time was a, a unique prospect who just struggled to to pick up things 
as as they cycle through offensive coordinators in San Francisco. It's 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 the Cutler story. It's the Mariota story. It's the Smith story. It's the Mariota story. Maybe his familiarity with Mark Helfrich, who's as of right now the Bears' offensive coordinator, maybe that's something that helps. Maybe it's a bigger name. Maybe it's someone like Teddy Bridgewater who is going to get some attention after doing what he did with the Saints in, in, you know, in relief of Drew Brees while he was hurt. Maybe it's someone who's a little bit off the wall like Jameis Winston, someone who is going to want a fresh start, someone who's going to want to go into an offense that is going to have him throw the ball around, somewhere he can go and kind of get away from Florida. It, it would be a clean slate, and it's a total long shot, but... It's, it's an outside-the-box idea, and we know Ryan Pace lives outside the box, so we can't rule anything out. Well, let's kind of like pick through these a little bit. So as opposed to one person, you're just saying, like, hey, there's going to be quarterbacks on the street, and like looking through those options, which one of them might be possible. So for me personally, I'm out on Mariota as a potential starting quarterback in the NFL. Like I feel like he's very Trubisk-esque um, insofar as, you know, uh, it just – it seems like in Tennessee, there's a lot of talent on the field at the skill positions, and they always seem to be underperforming. And if Ryan Tannehill is starting to make them shine a little bit more, it says a lot to me. And so, the price point—the price point might be right, but like I was reading a, a Mike Freeman article this morning on Bleacher Report, and the suggestion around the league is that Teddy Bridgewater is in line for a twenty to thirty million dollar a year annual contract. Um, he's, he's going to be a starter. And I think he has just in the way that things have played out. And it's probably a credit to Sean Payton and the way that they structure their offense, that he is going to be way, way priced out of what the bears might be able to accomplish in the free agent market. And so then there's a guy like, uh, sure. James Winston. And what, what is he worth? What is, you know, what do you, what kind of salary could you get him for? So, um, all those are like great questions. And I guess for me, the one that seemed most realistic and the, you know, my number three option for, you know, street free agent quarterbacks that might be available uh, was Andy Dalton. And I'm so, intrigued. Right. So let's talk about Andy for a second. Andy, first name basis. He's a good buddy of mine. Oh, Andy. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, if you look at football outsiders and his, you know, statistics, he's actually been worse this year by DVOA than Mitch Trubisky. And so if you just look at it on the face of things, you'd say that can't be the answer. And I'm going to counter argue that because I believe that the Cincinnati Bengals have the absolute worst offensive line in the NFL. Correct. And and Dalton is the sort of guy who when not given any sort of help, it's going to make him look like the worst football player that's ever played. So I actually believe there's more there and given a little bit more of a support structure that he might be able to thrive. I also think, you know, playing it for Cincinnati seems really really difficult like you're on an island in terms of uh, you know, just having support around you from, you know, the top on down, it's a little bit of a smaller operation. So there's every opportunity for him to rehash his career to a certain extent and come out and play in a system that emphasizes strengths and minimizes deficiencies. So look, we're not looking for someone necessarily to take over the starting quarterback position. What we need is a viable starting candidate that can push Trubisky and be somebody that, hey, if Trubisky is, continues to be what he is, then that's fine. You transition to this guy, and you can win with him. Alternatively, it gives Trubisky an opportunity to move forward as the starter 
with that competition pushing him versus, hey, we've pushed a ton of money into another guy, we've made a trade, what have you, and we have to move with him over Trubisky. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, a couple of things. I, I Yeah, the DVOA stuff is is kind of alarming, but I don't think, you know, with all due respect to DVOA, which I love and I love football outsiders, I don't think they take into consideration how much Cincinnati drains your soul as a <laughs> athlete, as a person, as a human. So, like, we, we have to factor that in. They factor, uh, you know, the, that offensive line is trash. The skill position players aren't what they should be. And, yeah, Dalton's kind of a rhythm player. When things were clicking, they really clicked. Guy made three Pro Bowls. You don't make three Pro Bowls on accident. One, maybe. Three, not so much. So, I like the idea of Andy Dalton being a guy who, one, pushes Mitch Trubisky, and two, a change of scenery candidate who comes go. to a new town, gets behind a defense that supports him, gets with a with an experienced, you know, coaching staff that's been around. Zach Taylor is, is, is young, and, and Mitch, I'm not Mitch, Matt Nagy is young too, but he's, you know, he's been around. He's been around the coaching block for a while, you know, working under Andy Reid. So I think like that's like an ideal, you know, free agent fit where you bring him in and like people aren't going to be like Andy Dalton has to be the starter right now. Well, I mean there will be some people because that's going to be unavoidable, but you know he's gonna they're gonna come in and have a healthy competition. It worked for the kicker, so like why not for the most important position on the field? I couldn't agree more. And so just like you know, again, this isn't like a a contract sort of podcast, but if you were to guess the sort of salary number that. Andy Dalton gets on the free agent market next year. What would what would you even guess that number might be? Oh man, it's it's going to be incentive laden, and it's going to be based on like what did Sam Bradford get a few years ago uh, like from tw- Arizona? Twenty million, twenty million flat. Yeah, twenty million flat from Arizona. Oh, that yeah. he basically got the Glennon deal, right? Hmm. I'm I'm in this place where I'm like, ooh, maybe because the Bears are a good situation and like there's an opportunity to start there where there might not be in other places that there's a little bit of a discount, something in like the fifteen to seventeen million, you know, arena. Yeah, that's what I was thinking more, like the fifteen range. Ah, I really hope that's true. That would be a wonderful situation for the Bears to walk into to have Dalton and Trubisky um and just let whoever's playing the best, whoever's running it the best, just let them run with it. That doesn't feel like a bad situation for me at all. But that's probably because we're in the situation we are now, which is Chase Daniel is very clearly a backup quarterback in the league, and Trubisky is um, you know, um probably not a starter at this point in his career. Chase Daniel is a very nice future offensive coordinator. Exactly. For someone, whether it's at the pro level, maybe he's a quarterback's coach at the pro level, maybe he's an offensive coordinator somewhere in college. Just not a viable backup quarterback for a contending team right now. Doesn't have the arm talent. Can't see over the line. Um, you know, he sees the field well. He goes through progressions well. He's just a little bit of a statue back there. The ball doesn't come out nearly as quick as it needs to, and it isn't necessarily going to be where it needs to be. So I think we've seen enough of him to know. And, I mean, as Chicago Bears fans, you know what it's like to deify the the backup quarterback that we oh, haven't yeah. seen. But we've now had two Chase Daniels stints, and I think the the jury is is in. I don't think he's going to be the guy that saves this season. So let's move on. So your next, what's your next possibility for the Bears quarterback position next year okay so i know you and i have an interesting trade candidate but before we get to that to yours which i think is more realistic i kind of want to go to the extreme and dial up the panthers and say what's up cam newton how you doing bud talk about a change of scenery candidate he's at the top of the list 
So what do you think it would take to get Cam Newton from uh, – first of all, I'm, I know he's going to make a bunch of money. He's still in contract for another year or two. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So ostensibly – the Panthers want to keep him on roster and are going to hold out for draft compensation. What do you think it takes to get Cam Newton in Chicago? It probably, it would take, you'd have to start with one of the two second round picks this year. Maybe, I mean, obviously a second or a third the year after that. And you have to make some sort of salary offset. So do they need a, does Carolina need a pass rusher? Because maybe Leonard Floyd fits. Do they need a cornerback? Because maybe Prince Amukamara is a guy who goes back in a trade. Uh, think something like what the Giants and Browns did in the Odell Beckham trade, where, where salaries kind of went both ways to, to make things match up, um, but on a lesser scale because it's, uh, it's fewer moving pieces, I would think, because it, the Bears would just be looking for a quarterback. Right. And, you know, so just, just for the numbers' sake, Next year would be his age 31 year. He has an $18 million set base salary and a $2 million option. Basically, it's a $21 million, you know, salary. So the Bears would have to find a way to find that cash. They'd probably have to lose some talent as a result. And they do have some free agents coming into the offseason. So I wonder, I also wonder if the Panthers aren't ready to move on because Cam's been through a lot of injury luck, uh, bad injury luck the last few years. So um, interesting. I personally would love to see him in Chicago just because of, you know, his stature and what he's done in the league. But I have my, I have great concerns about the health of his shoulder. And um, as do I. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if he can show himself, I don't I hope he's going to come back this season. It's unclear at this point, but if he can come back and show that what we saw early in this season was just a, a, about injury luck and it wasn't who he is going forward, then I'd be all for that. It's kind of crazy that people talk about, you know, the Cam Newton possibility as some sort of, Oh my God, it can't happen because he's, he's the Panthers franchise player. Like I'm old enough to remember Joe Montana on the chiefs or Peyton, Peyton Manning on the Broncos or Brett Favre on the jets and the Vikings. Just sometimes. And the NFL is so cruel in that way where it's just like, thanks for everything. Here's a check to go away. Have a nice life. And it's just, it's cold, but that's just the business of the league. No, it wouldn't surprise me at all for the the Panthers to cut bait on Cammon going into the offseason, and the trade doesn't even need to happen. He might be a street free agent, which would mean you have to sign him for multiple years. That's a whole different scenario, but uh, that seems just as possible at this point, given the play of Kyle Allen and you know the cost savings for the Panthers. And now that they're a Christian McCaffrey focused offense, it doesn't seem like an impossible scenario. So um, my, I kind of want to swap number two and number one. All right, I'm going to do that. Sorry. Do it. There's a little curveball. So now my second most favored move for the bears to make this, this off season is to make a trade for Nick Foles. And, I I say this, and I'm looking at it right now on paper. The trade is Mitch and a sixth rounder for Nick Foles. So here's why Jackson. First of all, the Bears are Jacksonville 2.0. They had Blake Bortles. They had a ton of roster talent, a lot of expensive roster talent. They invested in Blake Bortles. They reinvested in Blake Bortles. Bortles shit the bed, and they had to move on, and now Foles is there. 
they have a starting quarterback. His name is Gardner Minshew, and he is a sixth-round pick that's going to save them a ton of money for a long time. Foles now becomes an expendable asset. So if you can say to them, look, we've got Mitch Trubisky. He's got one year left on his rookie contract at $9 million. You can have a look at him. You get some potential in the building. You have really good uh, insurance in case something goes on with Minshew. Uh, you can move forward with your team. And you can get rid of the Foles contract, which I'm looking at it now. Uh, next year is a $22 million cap hit. So just looking at how the Bears might be able to carve out that space. And again, I'm not a cap guru. There may be some uh, question to some of this, but it seems pretty clear cut. $22.3 million for Foles next year. Trubisky has a cap hit of $9.2 million. The way the Bears would have to carve that out, they're going to lose Kyle Long, $9.6 million. They're going to lose... They'd have to lose Taylor Gabriel, $4.5 million, and they'd have to lose Cordero Patterson at $4.75 million. It's going to be hard to do that and maintain a lot of the roster depth that they have. They'd have to do well with their other draft picks. But what it would do is, instead of trading a high draft pick uh, to get Nick Foles and keep Trubisky in the building and trying to manage both of those salaries, you give a much lesser draft pick out. You get Mitch out of the building and let him move on, which is, again, a really tough thing to cut bait so early in his career. But the way things look right now, it's not going to be a great career. And then you have Nick Foles, who's a proven asset, a veteran leader, and somebody that you can count on when it comes to uh, being able to be a game manager plus. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and he's someone who's familiar with Nagy's system. He's a guy that we've seen do big things on a big stage. And really... Remember, he was the guy who was running Chip Kelly's offense when it was worth a damn in Philadelphia the first go-round. So he's, yeah, he's a proven asset and a possible bridge guy. That's exactly right. It's a great point, which is the Bears then then can go out and draft a developmental quarterback to sit behind him, learn from a veteran who knows how to play, and can develop in a very safe space where when the day comes he's ready to take over or he outplays Foles, then you can do that versus we've got the guy in the building, let's build all this infrastructure around him, now it's there, and he shit the bed. Yeah, and there's so much, of, and we'll get to this in a second, there's so much value in building a roster around a rookie a quarterback on a rookie scale deal that you just can't, unless you have a Patrick Mahomes or a Tom Brady, you shouldn't pay these guys and you should just keep churning through that middle tier until a guy that is legit shows up. I couldn't agree more. And it's annoying to be a Bears fan because I've lived my entire life without a viable quarterback. You know, you could say Cutler, you can say McMahon, you can say whatever you want. I think we've never actually had like a, a consistent, positive quarterback that you can count on year in, year out to be a positive influence on the team. I think Eric Kramer would be the closest I've ever come to feeling that way. And I think I was like eight years old when that was going yeah, on. Yeah, that was a long time ago. So your number one desired scenario for the Bears going into this offseason at the quarterback position. And with the 40-something pick in the <laughs> second round, the Chicago Bears select any number of viable second-round talents. I want, I want one name from you. You want one name? Yeah. I don't want to steal your guy, so I'm going to give you my name, and it is Jordan Love, Utah State. He, Tell me why you like him. He is a guy that uh, one of my buddies just put me on a few weeks ago, and I've been watching tape on him, and there's so much arm talent. There's so much athleticism. There are some mechanical issues that need to be ironed out, but the last time I said that about a player who had arm talent but had mechanical issues that needed to be ironed out, 
it was Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying this guy is Patrick Mahomes, but what I'm saying is raw talent that can be molded is something that should not be overlooked. And I was reading uh, the mock draft from uh, Bleacher Report's Matt Miller today, and he had Love as a first-round pick, a top-17 pick. And I haven't seen Love anywhere else in the first round, but, man, just his description. I'm just going to read a little bit of a snippet uh, of something I wrote today about Love, and it's, Love is described as the riskiest of the first projected first-round picks, but don't let that scare you because where there are risks, there are rewards. Love's critics see a quarterback who has more interceptions than touchdowns. That's bad. And someone who's destined to be a turnover machine. But his you know, supporters can be found dropping comps to Mahomes and Watson when it comes to his style of play, and that's really appetizing. You're, you're, balance, you're basically balancing a guy who has... Crazy upside and arm talent, but has deficiencies in the turnover department. But some of those deficiencies can be pointed out as a guy who's trying too hard to make things happen with a supporting cast that simply doesn't allow him to. So team that upside candidate with someone like Nick Foles, and you have an ideal quarterback situation for a team that wants to win a Super Bowl now, but also wants to be competitive moving forward. You know, I think you hit on like why quarterback scouting is so goddamned impossible because it really is a flip of the coin. All the tools are there. All the warts are there. Which one is going to rise above? So one guy's a Patrick Mahomes. The next one is a, I don't know, a Josh Allen, who the jury is still out on him. Maybe it's not the best example, but, you know, a, a rifle arm, all the possibility in the world, all the talent in the world, and yet, you know, can't throw a deep pass to save his life. And you really don't know. Trubisky is another example. All, like... If you just go back and you read the draft profiles, you read the combine results, just accurate and a great arm and great touch can make all the throws, you would never know that that guy was going to become what he is today. So it's just a really hard thing to do. To I roll guess, the dice. Yeah, every time, every time. And all these guys who pretend they know and they've always known, I just don't believe it, man. I, th- There's like so- three guys who know. Yeah. It's yeah. Belichick. Yep. It's Andy Reid. And maybe it's Lincoln Riley at yeah. Oklahoma. Maybe. We should talk about that. We should talk about that. And so, like, to, to wrap up on Jordan Love, I do think that the environment in which he comes into Chicago in that scenario really matters. And what I mean is, if Mitch is still on the team and you're bringing him in to compete with Mitch, I don't like that. Versus moving on from Mitch, bringing in that veteran bridge quarterback, be it Foles or somebody like him, and then letting Love develop in the way that Mahomes was allowed to develop freely in Kansas City underneath Alex Smith, that makes a lot of sense for me. Whereas if the Bears are going to go another route, the route that I'm about to suggest, then it makes sense for Trubisky to still be there. Yep. And that is at the 40-something pick, Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma coming from Lincoln Riley's system. So like, that's the situation where Jalen Hurts for for me is Deshaun Watson, a poor man's Deshaun Watson. He's the perfect candidate. He's the perfect quarterback for the 2020 Bears. That's exactly right. Like, they have the infrastructure. They have a simplified offense. They have uh, – Jalen Hurts is, is a leader of men. Uh, he doesn't have any fear within him. The question about him is the arm talent, his ability to put the ball where it needs to be, 
Um, and I think, you know, if you watched him in Alabama, you never would have thought he would have been where he is right now. But Lincoln Riley has him throwing the ball all over the field. He is accurate. He is on time. And he's athletic as hell. It's hard not to fall in love with him if you watch an Oklahoma game. So if that's the case, like those two guys pushing one another, I really like that that quarterback room for the Bears. And again, you're talking about two really young guys. It may not actually work out, but given the possibilities for the Bears, and I think in that scenario, you're looking for a very cheap and probably not the guy you want to play veteran quarterback for the room, uh, somebody that you can get for a few million. And you know, should the worst happen, you know that guy goes in the game. I don't have a name for you off the top of my head, but certainly not in that Winston Mariota Foles, and you know. None of that. This, right. is, this, this would be somebody who's there to kind of help, you know, coach them up. I mean, Chase Daniel coming back, it, 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 that's, it's that sort of situation. But um, Jalen Hurts added to that room and allowing one of those two guys, be it Trubisky, being pushed and, and you know, his game ascending. I can't say that out loud without sounding ridiculous. <laughs> or Hurts taking the job and being the guy that Chicago needs him to be in the Nagy offense. Um, that's, that's, I think for me, the most exciting scenario given where the bears are right now. It's exciting and it's realistic and potentially it's the most fun we've had in a quarterback duel ever in Chicago. Think about what Jalen hurts, who Jalen hurts is and what he represents. He was so trusted by Nick Saban. He was given a starting job as a freshman. That doesn't happen at Alabama. Then He's sent to the bench because in, in a championship game to win the game, and he takes it in stride like a champ. And then he transfers to Oklahoma where people are worried, oh, he's, he's not going to be able to pick up this system. Meanwhile, he, he picks it up, hits the ground running, and he's probably number two Heisman candidate behind Joe Burrow. So he's, he's really, he's the anti-Trubisky. He's got, he's got athleticism. I mean, Mitch has that too, but he's got the fiery leader stuff. He's got the picked up and offense stuff. He's got the tr the stuff where he's been trusted by a respected coach. Like he checks all the boxes for a second round quarterback. Now, my fear is that he's going to go in the, the first, first round. round. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. let me throw off a hypothetical to you. Pick 32 comes around and the Patriots own it. The Bears have a really good working relationship with the Patriots. It's gone back since, since Pace has gotten to Chicago. Mm -hmm. The Patriots call you up. It's like, hey, give us one of your two seconds and a maybe maybe a second or a third next year, and you can come up and, and take your quarterback at 32. Kind of like what the uh, Ravens did a couple years ago. And with you get the extra year of contract. You get the extra year of contract to get um, – Lamar Jackson, is that something you would be interested in? Because totally. it's something that I'm totally on board with. Yeah, and I mean, like, Pace doesn't mind throwing picks around. I'm starting to get used to it. I think the 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 rubber would hit the road for me if if Belichick asks asks for both twos. Um, I just think the Bears have so many needs uh, at a number of positions that it would be hard to give up, and and they need instant impact. The window is now; they have this year and next year before there's a lot of guys that are going to move on. So, you know, the picks they have now need to be used and need to be used on guys who can play or expected to play right away. Anyways, as it pertains to Jalen Hurts, there's one thing that I think is a um, – it's a low-hanging fruit out there in the scouting community, and I've been thinking about this a lot. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on it, which is 
these players who play in a given system and then via graduate transfer or a coaching change or what have you move on somewhere else and instantly have success there as well. I think there's an opportunity there to say like, hey, there's always all this change going on in the NFL. Schemes are changing. Even game by game game plans are changing. And if you have a guy like a Gardner Minshew who can start in one place, go to another place and succeed amazingly or a Russell Wilson who's NC State to Wisconsin I'm not saying every one of these guys who transfers is all of a sudden you know a, a game changer but that ability the way Hertz has been able to go from uh, an Alabama system that plays a very specific way and didn't emphasize any of his passing skills to go over to Oklahoma to Lincoln Riley where that's all that's happening and to succeed in both that says a lot to me about his flexibility and the fact that whatever you throw at him whatever kind of system he plays in he'll find a way to succeed flexibility and a comprehension of what is being thrown at him because and and really that's a big criticism of Mishavisky right his inability to soak in all the things that have you know that are coming in his direction whether it's you know stuff with the playbook or just reading defenses um that's another thing that appeals to me about Jalen Hurts it's this guy who has like you said two different systems success at, at both at both ends what's not to love this and we're having this conversation like he's gonna be a first round pick now isn't he we, we need to like tamp down the expectations i don't know right right like, jalen hurts is no good at football boom done yep no you're absolutely right and there's always the as soon as the season is over every quarterback prospect floats 15 picks upwards you know it's just you, every you time can just, Every single time. So the Bears will have to run into that and see where things land, how they land, and all that sort of thing. But I think that the big takeaway from all this is that you and I have come to terms with the fact that Trubisky is probably not the guy, uh, won't be the guy, and needs to have somebody brought in next season who is likely to be the starter unless Trubisky makes massive changes to the way he plays football and fights that guy off. Yeah, look, Mitch has the next nine games to prove us otherwise. And even then, they should still find a draft pick or someone who can push him a little because totally the Bears agree. cannot fall into the Jacksonville Jaguars trap. They cannot. They can't afford to. Because I think Khalil Mack might kill someone if he do, and, if, if they do. And next year is too critical. Again, a lot of these guys won't be here after next year. All the contracts have been set up so that they had a three-year window. This is year two of that three-year window, all based on the rookie QB contract status of Mitch Trubisky. After next year, Allen Robinson is out. I don't even want to go through all the names. There's a number of names that are going to uh, either expire or their contracts are going to be onerous enough that they need to be restructured. So next year, and, and again, that's where we are with the Bears right now. They're three and four, and they have one of the hardest schedules in the league going forward. So you need to start to look at 2020 and how you might be able to succeed. So you're absolutely right. Someone needs to be brought in to compete with Trubisky so that if it's if he's not going to be the guy, that there is a viable candidate to push this team towards the playoffs. I okay. want to circle back. I want to circle back hmm. to Jalen Hurts for one last second because I yeah. found the uh, the Lamar Jackson deal, and it was their 52nd overall pick, the 125th overall pick, and a second round selection to Philadelphia hmm. for pick 32 and pick 132. So okay, so basically, yeah. uh, the their second round pick and next year's second to move up to the end of the first round. Does that sound right? Yeah. Ish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm on board with that. If he's the guy, if you know, things play out the way they are and you know, the bears again, when they have conviction, they'll go get a guy 
So uh, I'd be I'd be totally down for that. I don't mind it, and it's just too critical a position with too much on the line to mince words about what a second round pick might be and what might happen if they don't have it anymore. Correct. We can move on. The holiday rush is coming. I am not at all ready for the holiday rush, but. If you sell stuff online, you better get ready with ShipStation. With more people buying online than ever before, you have to be able to ship orders out quickly, efficiently, and affordably. But how do you keep track of all those orders? Or decide which shipping carrier to use? Or if you're getting the best rates? Luckily, ShipStation can help. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door and delivered in time for the holidays. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, and UPS, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Now any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. You'll always know that you're getting the best deal. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. So take the hassle out of the holiday shipping this year. Let ShipStation help you handle it all with ease. Just use my offer code BLUE to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. Enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation. Make ship happen. Okay. Um, that I, you know, somehow that made me feel better. That whole exercise, I was like, "Ooh, next yeah. year, we've got to have excitement. This could be bear, good." It's not, the Bears it's not have be options, right? Like, and this yeah. was my frustration yesterday when the Bears didn't make any uh, trades at the deadline. I'm like, "Look, just because they committed to Mitch now doesn't mean that they've committed to him in the future." And a lot of people were kind of projecting, like, "Oh, well, they're they're stuck with Trubisky the next two years." Eh, not really. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, not really at all. All right, so let's get present. It's fun to project forward and talk about what might be, but the Bears are three and four. It's week nine, and the Eagles are coming to town. So the Eagles are coming off of a really strong performance against Buffalo, and I was watching a lot of the highlights of that. You know, it's it's a really good uh, litmus test for how the Eagles might play the Bears. It's a really strong defense. They're playing on the road, and they have a really erratic young quarterback that they're playing now Josh Allen and Mitch Trubisky do very different things um, especially given that Trubisky is either afraid to or doesn't want to or isn't being allowed to run but the Eagles are 10th in DVOA overall and 6th rushing 16th passing so there it is like the Bears need to be able to throw the ball down the field and if you look at those highlights that's where the ball can move similarly they played the Vikings the week before and Kirk Cousins had been I mean, he'd looked almost as bad as Mitch in previous weeks, and they had the play-action game going. Again, they had a really good run game, so that's it's predicated on that. But they threw it on the Eagles all day. So just broad strokes, how do you see this game playing? What are you looking for? Well, if, if Matt Nagy liked what he saw with the rushing game last week, he should continue to roll with it this week and then take a little bit of what Minnesota did and open up things with play-action. 
Uh, the like one of the few play action passes the Bears did attempt last week went for a big chunk of yards. Um, and it's it, you you need to establish the running game, but just even if it doesn't pop off like it did last week, just the threat of your willingness to do it can open up some windows. And just watching Mitch, he needs the windows to be as big as they can. I mean, doesn't he? I'm looking for Anthony Miller, who's starting to ascend a little bit. Trubisky found him for three longer passes in this last game. And again, coming off the play action, that's going to be a possibility. Like the the Eagles, their cornerback position, you know, isn't all that good in the first place. But if you can get to their second and third and even, you know, nickel and dime uh, cornerbacks, then you've really got something there. But again, that's a Mitch thing. And to this point, he hasn't shown that he's been able to consistently hit those passes. And I think we'll find out pretty quickly what's going to happen in this game. Whereas if the Bears can run the ball, even even with minimal success, then there's going to be opportunities there. I think for me, the interesting thing is on the defensive side of the ball, uh, it looks like Sanders might not, he didn't practice today. It looks like he might miss the game. He's 50-50 right now he was becoming a dynamic playmaker for the Eagles. That really bodes well for the Bears if he can't make the game. Yeah, I think he's going to try and give it a go. But, yeah, he's he's a two-way back. He's, he's Jordan Howard's tag team partner. And, it, it, look, I think the Eagles are really going to try to run it at the Bears because I think, I think Doug Peterson's a troll in that way. He's like, all right, cool. I got Jordan Howard. I'm going to shove Jordan Howard down your throat. Right. And I'm going to win this game. Now, on the offensive side, I just I have a feeling that the Eagles, despite their crummy secondary, are going to set up in a base and nickel or dime and dare Mitch to throw. And this is where Matt Nagy needs to be 2018 Coach of the Year Matt Nagy and tell Mitch, hey, if you see them in a front where you're at an advantage where you could run, run the football and then let that you know, create your your passing lanes via play action. If Matt Nagy is half the coach, we think he can be, he implements that game plan and the Bears come out with a win. I actually, I, I'm hoping that Nagy goes back to that tempo stuff he was doing earlier this season that gives him a Against chance. Against Washington, to, yeah. Exactly. That gives him a chance to, to talk into Trubisky's ear, you know, later into the play clock and actually help him see what's going on in the field. Just the chance to do that and get into looks that, you know, help the Bears succeed, I think, there's nothing wrong with that, and it's just a look that ha- we haven't seen for three or four weeks. It might catch the Eagles a little bit off guard. Yeah. Get, game plan to win this game. Don't game plan to, you know, show off to Andy Reid that you're the better you're the better kid, you know, off the off the you know Reid coaching tree. Game plan to win this game, and then you can go tell Dad what you did. <laughs> All right. Um, prediction for the game. Final prediction. Oh, it's not a good one. Uh, I've got Eagles by five because the Bears don't lose. The Bears don't lose blowout games save for the Saints game. So I think it's going to be close. I think the Bears are going to need to drive for a touchdown. And then something's going to happen to break my heart because that's just what the Bears are good at this year. So one thing they're good at this year is making everything agonizing and, and hurtful. I know doing predictions sucks because I don't feel good about saying anything, and I don't really like what I see happening i think for me you know we talk about all these different things that might happen but if the bears pass rush is what it's been these last few weeks then it's a pretty obvious loss for the bears for me i think you know the bears play a a lot of different uh defenses in the secondary but at this point 
if the pass rush isn't getting home, they're wide open and Carson Wentz can chuck the ball. So for me, uh, I haven't seen anything to suggest that the pass rush is coming around anytime soon. Um, I, I'm sure they'll get a little bit of pressure given that they're at home. They're desperate. They need to win as bad as anybody in the league. But the Eagles have so much talent uh, in the trenches where the Bears have been struggling so much, it's hard for me to foresee a win, even though the Eagles are the road team. So I've got, just like you, I've got a five-point loss. I've got uh, – <sighs> I don't even want to talk about it. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> 24 to 16, I just don't see how the Bears are going to be able to score points uh, consistently against this team. And uh, again, the Eagles have too many weapons and a quarterback who's shown himself to be dynamic when when it's put upon him. So uh, that would put the Bears at three and five if that's the case. And uh, a season on the brink is headed towards a really, really bad place. So let's hope we're both wrong. Let's hope that the Bears can find a way to right the ship. Uh, they have the character. They have the guys to do it. Uh, they've had enough adversity and enough chances to look at things. And, and I've seen enough things in the last week, to two weeks that shows, hey, there is there's there's ground we can get here. There are positive plays to be taken. And so after losing an unlosable game against the Chargers, maybe it's finally time to go out there and take a W. Anyways, that's where I'm coming from with it. I don't want to burst your bubble, but the Bears are the uh, the road team this week. Oh, no. That that makes it even worse. I, the Eagles at home, Mitch on the road, now I'm scared. No, nah, I pulled a Simmons. That's what he does. He always is like, yeah, we're the home team and the road team when he's making the picks with Cousin Sal. Yeah, I just did that. And, of course, I knew that. I've been staring at that all week. So, uh, yeah, it, it, so a five-point loss becomes a ten-point loss. That's kind of where I'm at with it now. Um, I know the Bears usually keep things close, but uh, there's every opportunity for things to get away a little bit. And not being able to count on a home crowd and the air raid sirens and everything else, what was already a total lack of confidence is now a screaming lack of confidence. So I think that's just where I'm at with the Bears season. I like it how I've forgotten where they play. It's hilarious. So, uh, yeah, again, hope I'm wrong. Um, Want to be wrong. Don't feel like I'm going to be. I'm in a place with the Bears like, prove me wrong. Yeah. Last year, you proved me, you, you proved me wrong. You, you, you were better than what everyone expected. Now you are playing how people expected you to play last year. Now prove us all wrong and be better. Yeah, it's not a big yeah. ask. Yeah, no, it's it's a step up, shut up kind of situation. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, Luis, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at LCM1986 uh, and at BN underscore Bears. And throughout the Bleacher Nation platforms, BN Bulls uh, just kicked off this year and we're off and running even though the Bulls aren't. <laughs> I'm writing about that for bloggable right now about what's going on with the the Bulls and what they're going to be up to in the next in the few weeks to come. I think again, there's a lot of talent on that team. They're going through huge schematic changes. There's a lot of youth there. I do think they're going to find their equilibrium at some point, but um I'm not surprised by their early season struggles even though they're playing against not great competition. But this is a Bears podcast. Let's finish that up. Uh, and by the way, do read Luis on Bleacher Nation Bears. I check it out all the time. He's prolific. You can always find out what's going on, be it rumors, be it press conferences, be it analysis. Uh, he's really, really great on there. Luis, I really appreciate you coming on today. Thanks for having me on. Let's do this again with like a better with a better footing, especially with the quarterback situation. <laughs> It'll be really nice to talk next time something good happens. I'll look out for you. Yes. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us on the Chicago Shuffle podcast. You can listen to this as well as every other great podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Please remember to rate and review. 
And let's go this Sunday, Bears. In in Philadelphia, just, just to reiterate, in Philadelphia this weekend, let's get a dub because we need it bad. Thanks again, and we're out. <laughs>